This message was recorded live at Life Church Lancashire, a contemporary Christian church in the north of England. Learn more at lifelanks.org. Everyone doing well? Don't you hate it when you're told what to do but not how to do it? Footballers come in at half-time eager to lean into the manager's words as he tells them, go out in the second half and try and win. And I think sometimes a, a lot of the sermons we hear, a lot of the advice we hear can be a lot about the what and not always about the how. And how do you know if you're doing the right thing? I'm told to go out and change the world. And if that doesn't work, we get more excited and jump up and down and say, change the world! But how are we going to do that? And we're talking as we begin this year about the call that we receive to light up the world. That's a bit better. It's a bit more nuanced. That gives you a clue. But how can I do that? I mean, it seems a little bit overwhelming. I want to be a light in a dark space, but how do I know that I'm being that light? How do I know I'm not contributing to the problem? Well, in this whole teaching of Jesus that we're looking at in the book of Matthew, Jesus gives us an idea about how we can be this kind of light, how we know we can know that we're being this kind of light. It says this in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 22. We're going to look at it in a few translations, and it's on the screen here in one. It says, The eye is the lamp of the body, or in this version, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. In the next verse, but when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. I think that's maybe been a problem sometimes for the church historically. They've thought that they had a light, but actually they're often doing more harm than good. How can we have that light? Jesus says that I is the lamp of the body. So if you think about it, in the day and age when Jesus spoke and taught, the light of the day was the sun. And the light of the, the night, the light of their home would have been a menorah, would have been a, would have been a lamp, a, like a candelabra, and they would have put these candelabras, these candles around their house and they would have lit them. And that would have been the only light that they had when it came to the evening. So Jesus says this, it, it, the, the eye, it's like a menorah for your basar, your flesh, your body. It, it's a lamp for the body. How, how do you get that light? How do you know that you as an individual are that kind of light in the world? Are making that sort of positive contribution, of bringing that sort of change into a dark space? Well, 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 well what causes you to be someone who is illuminated with that good light? is your eye. Your eye for works as like the candles that light up the house. That's kind of weird, isn't it? Because a lot, an eye doesn't emit light, does it? An, a, an eye doesn't allow you to, to see in the dark without other illumination, without other light hitting your eye. Your eye receives light, it doesn't emit light. What's Jesus talking about? Well, it, 
What he says in this verse is, if your eyes are good, if your eyes are good. In other words, this mission starts with what happens in you. It starts with how you see. So how do you see? And what do you see when you look at the world? How do I know if my eyes are good? Because if my eyes are good, then I can be one of those light people. My body, my soul, me as an individual can be lit up and I can actually be contributing to that light, not thinking I'm doing the right thing when I'm not. It's all about how I see. And Jesus says this, if your eyes are good. And this word good, it's translated so many different ways in our English translations. This was originally... Uh, brought to us in, in ancient form of Greek. And the word, like a lot of translated words, carries so many layers of meaning that we don't get from one English word. So how do we know our eyes are good? Well, first of all, if we look, for example, the way the NIV translates it, Jesus says this, if your eyes are healthy, healthy, if your eyes are healthy, I think when it sometimes comes to mission, when we sometimes think about this idea of lighting up the world, we can be so focused on the technique, we can be so focused on the tricks, we can be focused on the strategy, we can be focused on the programme, but the most important mission and strategy is the plan for looking after your own spiritual health. You are the best gift that you have to give to the world. And if you are not healthy, if you are not in a healthy place than everything else is going to fall down. So who are you becoming? Are you seeing in a healthy way that's leading you to become a healthy person? Because you know there's so many unhealthy ways of seeing yourself and seeing the world. Comparison is one. Comparison is an unhealthy way of seeing that sucks the joy out of your soul. And we live in an age where it's so easy to compare ourselves. We don't have to wait a few months to go round to see that friend down the road and see the new gadget they've bought and see the new car on the drive and see the new kitchen that's been installed because, you know, they've posted updates all the way through on social media. Every day, we're faced with comparison. We're faced with comparing ourselves on on what people are doing, what people are experiencing, and how people look, and how people are succeeding. But comparison is an unhealthy way of seeing. And it sucks the joy out of your soul. You see, our focus should be on what God requires of us, not on the failures or achievements of other people. So we have to watch our motives. See, mission is not a competition. You see, even if we think, well, I've, I've escaped that sort of worldly comparison about shallow things, and I'm focused on lying on the world. But then we, we start to look at what we're doing versus what somebody else is doing. But mission's not a competition. Our life comes from God. It comes from being focused on Him. And as we focus on God, we start to see how He sees. That's a healthy way of seeing we start to see people how he sees. We start to see opportunities how he sees. We start to see our days how he sees. Our light comes from seeing in the right way because your eyes are the lamp of your body. Our light comes from seeing how God sees. It doesn't come from being a success. 
It's not a starlight. Look at those people. They seem different. They seem like stars. They have charisma. They shine when they come into a room. No, Jesus says, that's a shallow kind of light. It's not a starlight. Your eyes are the light. They're the lamp of your body. It's seeing in a healthy way. It's seeing how God sees. An obsession with success can lead you into sin through unhealthy pursuits. We can counteract our need for success with one simple practice. Gratitude. And we're thankful for what we do have. It starts to counteract that need that we feel we need to feed. Don't try and be a success. Learn to be a son. If you don't start out on mission with the knowledge of God's love for you, instead of being led by the Spirit, you'll end up driven around by your insecurities. If your eyes are healthy. You know, this idea of healthy in the Greek conjures up another idea. To be healthy, it's like a, a healthy portion. It's a generous portion. And it's healthy to be generous. If your eyes are generous, that's how you know that your eye is producing that kind of light and not that sort of darkness. You know, we live in an age where there's a lack of generosity. We live in an age of global terror where everything's become binary. It's become black and white. We have the religious fundamentalists who live under the strict rules. And then we have the liberal Parisians enjoying wine and music. And, and we've, we've painted the world into this clash of cultures and civilizations, and everything's binary, everything's black and white. And we have the in and out thinking that was and the them thinking. But the problem with us and them thinking is it doesn't differentiate us from them. It proves that deep down beyond the surface, beyond the, the things we maybe get up to in an evening, one person's reading their holy book, the other one's listening to a band. But deep down, they think in the same way. They divide the world into us and them, and they're happy to perpetrate violence to keep their world just the way that it is. It hates the other, but Jesus said, no, anyone can love their friends. I'm going to call you to love your enemies. That's truly radical. That's truly different. That's truly subversive. And Jesus challenged this whole idea about who was in and out, and he just messed with it. He talked to the religious people and the ones who were strict in the law, and he said, Yeah, you disciple people, but you make them twice a child of hell as you are. And then he talked to the foreigner that other people said he shouldn't even engage with, he shouldn't even talk with. And he said, no, actually, you understand more what the kingdom of God is about than the people who are supposed to be the, the in people, the natives. He talked to the women and gave them the dignity when men tried to take the power and control for themselves. He talked to those who sent children away and said, no, you don't understand. The children are just as much part of the kingdom of God as anyone else. They need to come and sit at the front. They need to be integral. They need to be part because they actually get this. They're actually in a position where they can receive this. They're, they're actually not loaded up with their culture and their hate and their baggage. And they're ready to receive that. We can actually learn something from the humility 
and the wide-eyed wonder of children. And Jesus messes with it. He's generous in who he invites and who he brings in. Because he reflects the generosity of God. Probably the most famous verse in the Bible from the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, chapter 3 and verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Now, whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. What's that? That's incredible generosity. That's a God who's driven by love, not by judgment. Can you see it in that verse? You see what drives God. see what's close to the heart of God. It's generosity. You see, a coming judgment is not arbitrary vengeance from God. Oh, here we go. It's my turn. It's my chance to punish those people. No. What does judgment mean? Judgment is an affirmation of the significance of our lives. If God is going to pronounce a judgment on how we've lived, that means that how we live matters. That means that he values you. That he means that he cares about you. That means that he's interested in you. That means that what we're doing every day is not inconsequential, but it actually has eternal value. God is, in his very late nature, it says in 1 John, love. But sometimes the tone of Christian, quote-unquote, mission, doesn't appear to reflect this. Sweeping up foreign cultures with a broom. Argumentative. Violent, combative, rude. Does that reflect the God that we speak of? You see, the Christian message is called the gospel. That means good news. Good news is an announcement. Good news is an invitation. Good news is not an argument. People are not the enemy. And when we make other people the enemy, we lose our life. The New Testament tells us that we don't fight against flesh and blood. We're not waging against other people. But there's actually a spirit, an idea behind them. There's something that's driving them. There's something they've bought into. A value, a worldview, a system, a culture. They've bought into that. And that is the issue. That's the stronghold that needs to come down. That's the thing that needs to be challenged. That's the thing that we need to display an alternative for. Not that person. That person is not your enemy. Don't make other people your enemy, whether an individual or a group. Because this is what people do when they become fearful. And they start to scapegoat people. And they start to say, oh, it's those people who are causing all the trouble. It's that gender. It's that race. It's that country. It's those immigrants. It's those section of society. It's the bankers. It's the politicians. It's the foreigners. It's the Mexicans. Whoever, this is what people do, and they play on fear, and they scapegoat people. And we're not called to be those kind of people, we're called to be generous. We're called to be a light in this kind of world. In a world of protesters with picket signs, and internet trolls who are always finding fault. And I'm not saying we shouldn't organise and protest, I think there's a time for that. I'm not saying we shouldn't engage on the internet because it's a platform and we need to be a voice there. But we shouldn't have the mentality of always finding fault. Any idiot can do that. Any idiot can do that. What about if instead we were a movement of kindness? I mean, that's difficult. 
That's hard. Need, we have to need to stop and pause and think rather than just blurting out the first thing that we feel. We're going to have to be uncomfortable. We're going to have to go places where we maybe don't want to go. We have to walk into some dark places. We have to hold our tongue when other people don't hold theirs. We have to be generous when other people are stingy. But what if we had that kind of bravery? I mean, what would it look like to be that kind of movement of kindness? Jesus never called us to be the moral police. He called us to be the light bearers. And Jesus showed that sort of incredible generosity to people. Where we see and believe the best about them. What generosity does is it opens up that iris. And it lets so much more light in. See, what's Jesus talking about in this chapter? If you read the verses before and after, he's actually talking about money. So he's saying, don't be stingy. Be generous. I love that. Because jealousy, materialism, and greed will turn you in on yourself. It will turn you into somebody you don't recognize. It will turn you into somebody that deep down you really do not want to be. Instead of that sort of stinginess that is associated with materialism and greed, and jealousy, generosity, prefers the other. If you want to be the sort of person that God can use on this mission to light up the world, then learn to see with generous eyes. The last thing Jesus kind of talks about is this idea of having a good eye. It's a healthy eye, it's a generous eye. And some of the uh, elder statesmen amongst us, states, stateswomen, statespeople, let's go with statespeople. We'll remember the King James Version, the authorised version from the, about 500 years ago. And it says this, let thine eye be single. That's awesome, isn't it? Poetry. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Single. Other versions say clear or unblurred. I say this from the Greek. If your eyes are focused. A single, a singular focus, like that sprinter who focuses only on the finish line. Yeah, if you use St. Bolt, there's a time for talking to the crowd, there's a time for eating your chicken nuggets before you hit the track. But when it comes to set, the eyes are focused. Let your eye be single, because single is consistent with, it can be a synonym for what we originally talked about, healthy. Single and healthy. I mean, think about food. Now, this is banana flavor. And the ingredients in this banana flavored drink are 1% fat milk, sugar, skim milk powder, concentrated banana juice, stabilizers, carrageenan, xanthan gum, calcium sulfate, color, algal keratinase, and natural flavorings, which who knows what they are. And the ingredients of this banana are banana. <laughs> Which one's healthier? Let your eye be single. We know that whole foods, stuff you get in a packet and from a factory, never going to be as healthy as a whole food that has one ingredient. Whole, single. And Jesus is calling us to have that single 
whole, healthy focus, because that is what is healthy. That is what is better. And in this context of talking about money, he says this in the verse before. It's not going to be on screen. Let me just give you the context. As Jesus says this, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. In other words, what are you focusing on? On earth, moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. He's not talking about some... Some, some place out there, God's got this real estate that you're not aware of. He, he, he's not necessarily talking about a future after death, but what he's talking about is, is what God cares about, God's realm, God's values, where, where God lives, where, where what God's will is happens. That's what heaven is. He talks about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, it's synonyms. So, so, so are, we, are we obsessed, are we storing up treasures in things that are inconsequential, that are not important, not of eternal value? Or are we putting our effort, our energies towards singular things that really matter? What are you focusing on? I mean, what is the thing you think about before you go to bed? What comes to your mind when you wake up? When you're driving your car and your mind wanders, where does it go? When you're walking your kid home and you've zoned out and you're not quite listening to what they're saying, what were you thinking about when you zoned out? What are you focusing on? What are you giving your energy to? Because take care, you will be drawn further toward that which you focus on. Your eyes will lead you forward like the headlights of a car. As Jesus says, after this verse, where he says the eyes are the lamp of the body, he says this, talking again about money, no one can serve two masters, either that you will hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and Morning. You have to be focused on one clear thing. Money will give you orders if you let it. But what are you orienting your life around? Making the most money or making the biggest impact? It's so easy to get distracted. The biggest cause of road traffic accidents is distractions. People are on the phones. People are eating. People are doing their makeup. You've seen it, man. People lighting a cigarette. Or people are looking out the window, the side window, and not the windscreen. Or not where they should be looking. And what is sin? What does it mean to not live in the way that God has given us and shown us how to live? Well, for me, sin is a distraction. And that doesn't mean that we exclude good things in life. Things like art, things like music, things like enjoying nature, things like the opportunities that we have in life. These aren't distractions, these are gifts. These are good things we've given to us that we can enjoy. But anything can become a sin when it becomes a distraction because no one can serve two masters. You see that beautiful landscape that you see out your car window is to be enjoyed. It's something to be thankful for. It's something to drink in. It's something to let you slow down in a world of information and technology and meetings and to-do lists. It's beautiful. But if you're driving along that windy country road and you're looking out your side window at that view the whole time, guess what's going to happen? It becomes a distraction. And no one can serve two masters, so what are you focusing on? And what are you orienting your life around? The band is just going to come up and prepare as we draw to a close and we reflect on what is truly important. What are you going to look back on in 10 years and be glad that you focused your energy on? Be glad that you gave yourself 
In a world of so many distractions, so many time wasters, how many hours have you spent playing that game on your phone or on Facebook? According to one survey, the average person checks their phone 150 times a day. My question is this, what are you hoping to find in there? What are you looking for? What, what, what is it that is going to help you? That is going to make you feel fulfilled, happy, satisfied, content, peaceful? You probably won't find it there. Let me start to think what we're always in our life around. Don't get distracted. Don't become weary in doing good. You see, often we start off well, but what happens? It's this verse in Matthew 13. Jesus talks about people's approaches and how people's life journey goes. And you all know that person. Some people, they start off really well. There's so much potential. There's so much growth. But then the cares of the world come in. The distractions come in. And the light forms. And they choke that potential. And they choke that chance. And they choke that life. And for many of us, we started off in the right way. We started off with the best of intentions. But guess what? Life is so full of distractions. But what about if no matter what came our way, we kept our eyes focused on God? Because Jesus said this, if your eyes are healthy, generous, and focused, then your whole body will be full of life. That's all stand in this place. And now we know a bit more about what he was trying to say. What it means to see in a healthy way. What it means to see in a generous way. What it means to be focused. What about if we saw our mission in that way? What about if we saw our purpose in that way? What about if we saw other people in that way? Well, when we're doing that, then we know that the light within us is truly light. That we're truly contributing. That we're truly helping to bring this kingdom of God. We're truly helping this world to be transformed. And we're not just playing the game that everybody else is playing, but we've got a Christian badge on it. I don't want to do that. I want it to be a genuine light into the world. I'm not interested in waving a flag. I'm interested in being part of something significant. So God, I pray that all of us can make that commitment to be that kind of a light bearer. I've got to pray that you would help us to see the way that you see. And as we focus on you, as we lean in to a relationship with you, Jesus, the things you talked about, the things you said, the things you lived and showed us, that it would start to change the way we see. In Jesus' name, Amen. Discover more about us at lifelanks.org and stay inspired by subscribing to the podcast via iTunes. Thanks for listening.